The subject matter of this podcast will address difficult topics, multiple forms of violence, and identity-based discrimination and harassment. We acknowledge that this content may be difficult and have listed specific content warnings in each episode description to help create a positive, safe experience for all listeners. In this country, 31 million crimes, 31 million crimes are reported every year. That is one every second. Out of that, every 24 minutes, there is a murder. Every five minutes, there is a rape. Every two to five minutes, there is a sexual assault. Every nine seconds in this country, a woman is assaulted by someone who told her that he loved her, by someone who told her it was her fault, by someone who tries to tell the rest of us it's none of our business. And I am proud to stand here today with each of you to call that perpetrator a liar. Welcome to the podcast on Crimes Against Women. I'm Maria McMullen. Involuntarily celibate, better known as incels, is a term of rising popularity and manufactured hatred against women. For the incel, women are both the desire and the enemy. What's worse is that this hatred often leads to violence on a larger scale, coupled with misogynistic rhetoric that has spread like wildfire. Incel behavior is now classified as a form of terrorism, and with that, a form of counterterrorism has evolved to explore incel activity and attempt to abolish it. With us today is Jacob Ware, whose work focuses on violent far-right terrorism and countering violent extremism. Mr. Ware holds an MA in Security Studies from Georgetown University's Walsh School of Foreign Service, where he also teaches as an adjunct professor. He also holds an MA in International Relations and Modern History from the University of St. Andrews. Mr. Ware has reconceptualized the incel movement to view it as a terrorist act and has authored several articles specifically about the incel movement with publications in the International Center for Counterterrorism, Lawfare, and Studies in Conflict and Terrorism Journals. Jacob Ware, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So we're talking about incels today, and I'm hoping that you can give us uh, more of a comprehensive definition for what incel stands for. And is the term acknowledged by any legitimate entities, such as mental health providers, law enforcement, or hate groups, et cetera? Sure. So, um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, it's a real honor. Um, incel is a portmanteau for involuntary celibacy. And that's really exactly what it, what it means. Um, it's a self-given term for a group of young men who primarily young men who uh, see themselves as outcasts from some kind of sexual marketplace um uh, as being sort of rejected from um a right to sex because of a certain number of characteristics mostly biological um but also mental um the term is beginning to be acknowledged by entities um we started to see some references among the law enforcement community which is which is good um obviously among hate groups it's commonly traded so uh it's a pretty pretty widely used term at this point so you mentioned that there are some character set of characteristics maybe biological and maybe mental what what do those look like for the incel well, biological, it would be things like um, 
you know, in their mind, things like looks, obviously, um, but very specific elements of, of looks like uh, jaw shape, for example, um, height, uh, race, um, and then, you know, mental characteristics like intelligence, but also uh, legitimate um, mental health concerns, issues. So, you know, incels typically report, self-report high levels of things like depression and anxiety, as well as high levels of autism spectrum disorders. So a whole range of, of issues that these young men have, have decided are, uh, are the key things that are making them be excluded from, from a right and an ability to have sex with, um, with the girls, you know, surrounding them in their lives. That seems like a lot to unpack. <laughs> we could focus just on these characteristics and, and spend hours um, yeah. discussing it because you mentioned jaw shape. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just pick that one. Let, I mean, tell me a little bit more about that. Listen, it's, it's, uh, there is an idea within the incel community that... Um, there's a certain kind of stereotype. Let me start with um, incels see this marketplace, this sexual marketplace as being dominated by two forms of people. Those people are called chads and they're called stacies. And chads and stacies are basically the idealized, sexualized um, men and women who are dominating this marketplace and only having sex with each other. And that leaves obviously an embittered community who kind of see themselves as outcasts. So they would argue that a chad, you know, is tall, strong strong jaw um to 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 nail down on the jaw particularly it's actually quite sad in a way because they have this idea about themselves as you know i'm not getting girls because you know for example my facial structure is wrong and so you'll have some incels who will actually go off and get like serious surgeries to try to correct that kind of issue believing that's the only thing that's stopping them from being able to join this marketplace Mm -hmm. um and, and that's obviously quite sad and dangerous for those individuals. There is a term within the incel community which is called, which they use, um, called looks maxing. And um, it's basically one of the ways that they feel that they can, quote unquote, ascend out of inceldom in, and enter this marketplace. So they will, you know, find ways to improve their looks, looks max, either in the gym, for example, or, uh, you know, by actual. Um, physical surgeries to try to correct that kind of stuff. So they, they try to make these physical adjustments, but internally, you know, mentally, they, they may, and emotionally, they may still be feeling like they're at a disadvantage for a variety of reasons. Um, is that correct? Yeah. So um, there is a, that's absolutely correct. There is an ideology um, that sort of underpins the incel movement, which is called the black pill. Um, those people who have watched The Matrix know that if you take the the blue pill, you continue to kind of live in a world of of illusion. And if you take uh, the red pill, you'll sort of be exposed to the world's fundamental, I don't know, untruths, contradictions. Um, incels also believe you can take the black pill, which is nihilistic, which which you know basically says that not only is the world kind of rigged against you. But there's actually no way that you can fight that, so you might as well give up. That's what I think makes incels so dangerous is this nihilistic viewpoint. So there's always that contradiction there. Even those people who 
feel I can look max and try and improve my condition, try and, you know, improve my looks through surgery, for example, they are still confronted by that fundamental belief that the world is poisoned and it's fundamentally uh, arrayed against the incel. And the quicker you accept that, the quicker you'll, 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 you know, go on. So you mentioned quite a few, uh, quite a few terms that um, if people are taking notes while they're listening to this conversation, uh, the Chad and the Stacy. So, so that's uh, the male figure and the female figure in the world of the incel. This is personified who you need to be in order to to participate in the sexual marketplace. Is that correct? Correct. And then you also also mentioned looks maxing. Tell me a little bit more about that. All things that are more that are less harmful, like you know the idea that you can go to the gym and bulk up your body, and and that will allow you to um, transcend those physical characteristics that are make, making you be excluded from 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 the sexual world. Yeah. Okay, but notwithstanding, you've still taken the black pill. Is that right? Yeah. So the, the, you know, there's a fundamental contradiction there, and and. Um, there's a term that incels use, which is um, to ascend, um, which which basically means to arise out of inceldom and break into this life. That would counter the black pill, but the average incel um, basically is, is is resigned to this fate that um, there is fundamentally nothing that you can do, and the faster that you accept that, um, you know, the faster you'll move on with your with your life. And we shouldn't. Um, you know, maybe this is a good place to point out that it's important to note that the incels have been violent and we've seen acts of violence perpetrated by incels, but the number one group of people who are victims of incel violence by far is incels themselves. And that's a tough reality that is that is really, you know, very uh, obviously challenging and, and, and difficult to, to breach. When you believe that you that the world around you is fundamentally twisted and arrayed and you can't break out of it, then very often the solution is is just suicide. And most of the acts of violence that we've seen have been murder-suicides where somebody effectively says, I'm going down and I'm going to take as many people as I can with me. What is the rate of murder-suicide or suicide among this group of incels? I mean, to know how many people are committing acts of violence among the community, you need to have the raw numbers of how many people roughly are interested in it or you know engaged in it. We don't know that, but among the acts of violence that we have seen, um, whether it, whether they're very ideological acts of violence targeted at a certain outgroup or whether they're just sort of an incel acting out, almost all of them have been suicide, uh, suicide attacks. So, you know, beginning with the first act of incel violence or incel terrorism occurred in 2014 um, at a sorority house in Isla Vista, California. Um, he, he took his own life, and most since have done the same thing. So how does one get to the point where they've initiated themselves into an incel group? And is that final? Are you, if once an incel, always an incel, or is there hope to kind of rise above that or ascend, as you said? Yeah, well, that's the, you know, that's what the ideology says. It says that... Um, you know, one, once an insult, always an insult. But listen, the reality is that this is a community that is primarily young, um, primarily almost entirely on social media. So um, 
it's very difficult to know how many people are dropping out and, and, and just being replaced by new people because there's no mechanism to really measure de-radicalization within the incel community. And it's very difficult to do that when everything exists on social media because somebody disengaging from that movement might just be, you know, <laughs> not visiting the forums anymore. Um, the ideology would say, yes, once you're an incel, you're always an incel and there's nothing you can do to break out of that. But the reality probably is that the majority who, who engage and who spend time with this ideology and with the movements are younger people who are sexually frustrated and angry at the world and lonely. And the elements of that personal grievance that's building into the ideology wanes over time as people get older. Um, that's what, that's the optimistic viewpoint, I guess. So how does one get to the point to decide that they must be an incel or they're involuntarily celibate? Is this something that comes out of, um, well, I guess I could point at any different, you know, number of things. Uh, how do you get there? How do you become an incel? Like wh what has happened to you that makes yeah. you feel that you are involuntarily celibate and you will never um, have access to a sexual marketplace or women that you desire? Well, there's two elements at play here, I think. Um, and two, both of these things have been around forever. So there's the misogynistic element, the, the, the history of sexual violence element, um, and that's important. There's also the element of um, something that, every you know young male goes through where they're rejected by a girl and they're upset and you know upset most young men will have a role model in their lives to explain that this is part of adolescence part of growing up um but others might not and i think this is where social media has played such an important role incel the incel movement as we understand it really emerged in a social media age on a number of forums as well as kind of more eclectic chat rooms like um, places like 8chan and uh, Reddit. Um, and you've taken these two long-standing, you know, things that have been around forever, both the male rejection from a girl as well as a long-standing history of, you know, misogyny and, and sexual violence in society. And you've blended them on a social media age where you now have young people who are going through these otherwise, I think, fairly typical uh, moments in their youth and rather than have that positive role model who explains that this is part of growing up and everybody goes through it they now turn online and they have these nefarious actors bad voices in their lives who all of a sudden are saying well actually it's not true that um you got rejected by girl but it's okay because you know you'll grow up and and and, and there are you know you'll find your your person um you are now having people in these forums who are instead giving a different take, which is this happened to you because women are fundamentally twisted and poisoned and evil. And the quicker you realize that the happier you'll be and you'll be able to move forward, you know, either <laughs> with suicide or uh, with an act of violence or, you know, just coping in this community together with people. Um, so I think it comes from an initial moment as it, as it always has, um, but that now you have the social media platforms there that are able to give this alternate voice to people um, at a key juncture in their lives that, that gives them um, a radical ideology, a radical justification to their personal grievance. 
So it sounds like an ideology that is built on hate. <laughs> and the hatred is really directed at women. But how does it go from an experience of rejection to becoming a hatred for women that is so deep that they actually want to destroy women? Mm. Well, <laughs> that's a leap. That's the million. That's the million dollar question, <laughs> okay. right? I, I think that's the million dollar counterterrorism and radicalization question. And if we had an answer to that, you know, we wouldn't be sat here talking. And I, we come across this question in every kind of counterterrorism we deal with, whether it's Salafi jihadi, whether it's counter far right terrorism, or whether it's counter incel terrorism. What's the point that makes somebody tick? What's the point that turns somebody from an extremist into a terrorist? What makes somebody more likely to be violent um, over another? And we don't have an answer to that. We don't have an answer to what it is in certain people that makes it more likely to become an operationalized desire to destroy women um, or to destroy the target. So we don't know. One thing I will be clear on, though, and I want to emphasize is this violence is obviously gendered, but it targets men too. Men are also targeted and couples are targeted. Um, so the Isla Vista killer who I mentioned earlier, um, he started his rampage by murdering his three male roommates. He then went to a sorority house where you see the clear ideology of mm -hmm. who's being targeted. So there, there was both. Um, and I would say the most prominent, probably active incel violence or terrorism over the past couple of years in the United States was perpetrated by an individual in Glendale, Arizona, who had gone to the shopping mall um, because he wanted to kill couples. He wanted to kill five couples, 10 people. So you do have the men and the couples who are also targeted here. It really depends on the targeting selection is really dependent on who, you know, what that person's individual grievance is and how it connects to the ideology. You've used the word terrorism a couple of times uh, so far in our conversation. How and when did the incel movement begin to qualify as a terrorist group? And what are the ramifications for incels to carry that label? Sure. So, um, well, a lot depends on how you would define qualify. Um, there hasn't been a qualifying legally, at least not in the U.S., so, so that process is still underway. Um, terrorism as a, as a term is usually defined as political violence perpetrated by non-state actors against civilians in order to spread psychological fear. So, of course, you've got a lot of these elements with, within cell violence. You've got the violence, you've got non-state actors that's against civilians. The question of terrorism is really whether it's political or not. And this has been a big debate within the counterterrorism community. Is insolvance political or is it more personalized? Does it have more to do with mental health, um, individual grievances? In my opinion, and in my writing, I've written that it's clearly an, a political issue. It's clearly an ideological issue because you have certain outgroups in society who are being targeted specifically because of who they are, you know, what they're demographic is what their profile is that's what makes it violent so the the case i mentioned earlier isla vista california an individual called elliot roger writes a manifesto targets a sorority house 
These are political ideological steps taken to make a clear point to a certain community and therefore spread psychological fear in that community. So that's a clear act of terrorism, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I, I published an article with, with a few co-authors a couple of years ago where we actually laid out a typology for how you would consider incel violence. And the main category would be clear terrorist attacks. And it includes that one. It includes a very famous um, van attack in a place called, uh, well, on Yonge Street in Toronto, uh, where 10 people were killed by an individual who had posted on Facebook pledging allegiance to the incel movement. Again, political motive. Um, so there are certain attacks, a number of them, that incels have committed where you can clearly uh, draw a direct line from a political ideological uh, movement to their act of violence. And then there, there are steps that go down. There are mass shootings perpetrated by incels that are not necessarily clearly motivated by the movement. A good example would be um, the, the Parkland shooting uh, at, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, which occurred on Valentine's Day, which is always a red flag with incels, but mm. he didn't really see that was a clear link so you put that on the next level down and then there's the next level down which is targeted acts of violence by an incel so a good example would be um a few years ago there was a, a young child who was thrown off a balcony at the mall of america in uh bloomington or something uh by an individual who had gotten so frustrated because he'd gone to the mall to pick up women and, and been unable to so he threw a child off the balcony um so 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 that's how those things you know that's that's how we have thought about it but clearly you have some some attacks that are very clearly incel terrorism the ramifications would be theoretically you know legal um how government agencies would um investigate and prosecute these cases um and we haven't reached that point yet in the US. They have in Canada. So Canada has charged somebody with a terrorism crime for an act of incel violence, I believe in 2020. I thought that was a very big step, but it was controversial at the time. Um, but it remains to be seen, I think, how formal classifications of incel, incels as terrorists um, will play out and when we'll see that and if we see that. So about how long has this been around? this movement or classified uh, believe, as, as a movement? Sure. So, so, um, because clearly it could have been around since the beginning of time. It just hasn't, yeah. we haven't found the terminology until recently. Yeah. So, so there are several factors at play here in cell. The term dates to, I believe 1997 when a young Canadian woman founded an online group of young of people who termed themselves involuntary celibates. And the idea was you can get people who are struggling to find romance in their lives, struggling to date, to come together and talk about, you know, what the other genders, you know, want or, or whatever. Um, so it was designed to support community. It was hijacked, uh, you know, in the social media age by these young men. And the first attack that we generally recognize as, um, as incel violence was that attack in 2014 in Isla Vista. You're exactly right. This movement, this or at least this line of thinking has been around for a long time. And that's one of the really tough things, I think, studying incel from a counterterrorism viewpoint is where do you draw the line between those people who identify this way and those who didn't because they predated it? So the best example I can think of is the Virginia Tech gunman mm -hmm. who 
who posted very similar videos to the Isla Vista gunman where he said, this is your fault, you rejected me, you made me feel like I was worthless. And so he went and killed 32 people or however many it was at Virginia Tech. It's the exact same story. It's the exact same act. Um, it's really the exact same person and grievances, but that predated incel, so we don't call it that. So in, in my article that I mentioned earlier, we had a category that we called, I think we called it ex post facto inceldom, which was all of these people who the incels actually talk about a lot as being their kind of their heroes um, and their predecessors, but who predate quote unquote incel, and so they aren't considered um, that way. A great example, another good example is, uh, I think it was in the 80s, but I could be wrong. There was a mass shooting in Canada in, um, I think, Montreal, where an individual had gone into a, a university and he'd actually separated the men from the women in the classroom and he killed the women, a number of them. Um, that's a good example of somebody who clearly has this ideology, this way of thinking, these personal grievances, and is going to execute that attack but because he predates, quote unquote, and so we don't think of him that way. But maybe we should. And that's one of the big things I think that we're wrestling with. Um, where do you draw that line? Yeah, it would be very interesting to take the incel movement lens and uh, run it across some historical occurrences, as you mentioned, even, okay. even further back in the past and kind of see how those fall on the spectrum. As a movement, about how strong would you say this is? About how many people would do you estimate are part of this movement? Really tough to tell because... Um, yeah, it's I mean, pretty... it's, kind of, it's kind of like trying to get your arms around the Me Too movement, right? I mean, it's so, so many people identify with it, but don't actually yeah. publicly discuss it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So you don't know what the numbers are. I, I will say... Uh, you know, some of the forums that I've seen a lot, um, you know, when they do whatever they're reporting, they do, they will report in the thousands. But if there are thousands of forums, then you're talking about, you know, six, seven figures worth. So I would put it in that category, but it's really tough to know. It's really, really tough because it's very diffuse. And the ideology is pretty... Um, the ideology itself is pretty diffuse and it, it, it does float in and out of, of different ideologies. So you see some people who are more typical kind of far right extremists, white supremacists and neo-Nazis. Sometimes you see them use this kind of language. And then again, the barriers kind of blur and you don't really know where you draw the line between a true incel and somebody who's just flirting with that language and flirting with that ideology. I can't help but wonder about some of the other factors that help to fuel this hatred um, by incels toward women, such as the women's rights movement, uh, feminism, um, and other, you know, other areas that probably just inflame their hatred even further. Are there specific movements um, or moments in time that have cause this movement to accelerate? I mean, I think you're, you're, you're right to mention women's rights and, and feminist movements. Feminism certainly is a huge um, source of radicalization because really the, I would say, um, I, I'm not sure if this is the right term, but the sexual liberation that the women's mo rights movement has, has catalyzed. That 
is a big source of radicalization because incels often say, you know, women should exist in the home, you know, pretty typical extreme, you know, rhetoric, but women should live in the home and, you know, should serve my sexual needs and should be raising, you know, my children and that's their job. So anything that, that challenges that, right. Um, so they're looking for traditional gender roles that really no longer exist yeah. in the world we live in today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, frequently. And frequently it's, you know, it's, it's more kind of elementary, more of an elementary sexual kind of grievance that you would see more among, you know, very young people. In the work that you've done so far, have you been able to find any reason why incels believe killing women or killing anyone is a solution to their inferiority or the, all of their experiences? Okay. So, I mean, this is, this is a tough question. And I think this, this, uh, this builds into the question of why it's terrorism or not. Some incels will say yes, some don't. Uh, so I'll give you an example. The Toronto attacker who, who killed 10 people on the, on the street there with his van. His thinking was, um, if I kill enough men, so actually men were his primary target. And he said, if I kill enough men, the women will, will be forced to mate with the incels. So if I take out enough chads, then Stacey's will have to settle for incels. So that's one way it's direct, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's a really good question because a lot of people who counter the argument that uh, this is terrorism say exactly that. They say, how can this be, you know, there's no actual plan here. There's no actual, you know, idea for how this is going to change society or make it better for incels. And that's maybe true too. So that's why I mentioned the mental health issue. That's why I mentioned the suicide issue, because some of these attacks have really been acts of suicide where an individual has just said, uh, you made me do this and, and, um, and, and I blame you and therefore I get to kill you. Elliot Roger, the, the Isla Vista attacker, he put out a video, uh, I think the, the night before his attack on YouTube called The Day of Retribution. And that's really what it was for him. It wasn't about trying to, um, you know, design some kind of incel rebellion that was going to fundamentally change the political conditions. It really was about retribution. And and that's the counter argument to making it terrorism, um, to making it, to defining it as terrorism. Because um, terrorism really needs to have a political motive. It needs to have an effort to spread psychological fear. And if you don't have that, you know, it's, it's just violence. So it, it's, you know, you have to kind of determine that stuff on a case-by-case basis. I have difficulty putting together the idea of retribution toward people you don't know, you know, in, in resulting in the death of people you don't know. So yeah. uh, the women that uh, he targeted were, were those women that he tried to have relations with or... Um, did he not know them at all? Like, it doesn't make sense to me, or maybe it's not even supposed to make sense, that that would be a form of retribution. Uh, yeah, I mean, he attacked, I don't know if he knew them personally. It's, it's actually a really good question. Um, but he, 
as I mentioned, he attacked a sorority house. He attacked people who he felt whether he so knew the them or not. So the type of girl, the type of girl yeah, that the Stacy is what he attacked. They represented the culture that was repressing him. And um, that mindset is the same as we would see with, for example, an ISIS fighter. You know, mm -hmm. they are attacking the culture, the religion, whatever, that they feel is repressing their own right to exist or right to, or, or their own religion. That's classic, you know, extremist, radical terrorist behavior to say, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm making this point because you represent, you know, the political ideology that is repressing me. Yeah. Okay. Now I, I kind of get it through that parallel. Um, it's, it's some type of cultural annihilation of who is perceived as the enemy, you mentioned manifestos a couple of times, and in my kind of high-level, very rudimentary understanding of uh, connections with manifestos, typically individuals who uh, have a predisposition towards psychopathy or a psychopathic uh, behaviors prepare manifestos as a way to justify um, their, their beliefs, their ideology, their actions, um, either past or future. And so I wonder if you're able to address, is there a psychopathy that is uh, present, you know, across incels um, or just a, a prevalent in, in this type of individual? Uh, I, I think the research on that is still developing. Um, it's a really important point. Certainly, in in individual cases, you see um, you see mental health issues. I believe um, I believe Elliot Roger had some diagnoses, but I'm not sure. Um, but and then I, I mentioned the incels. You know, on online forums, they will self uh, report. Um, you know mental health issues. Um, but I don't know that we have the full picture yet that we, that we really need to be able to determine that. Um, it's partly, you know, it, it's, it's been difficult, I think, um, to really, especially in the US context, to really breach the discussion of mental health with regards to mass shootings. Because on the one hand, when people discuss mental health, other people think they're with, they are downplaying the ideology uh, which, which which you don't want to do. And on the other hand, people think that when you mention mental health, you are downplaying uh, the necessity of gun control, for example. And you also don't want to do that. So it's a discussion that needs to be had with nuance. And I think we're not quite at the point yet where we're really having that discussion um, actively, at least in the counterterrorism space. But it's a, it's a really important you know, issue, I think. So... If the incel movement is considered a form of terrorism, are there government agencies, law enforcement agencies who are monitoring this online behavior in order to, as a form of counterterrorism or to prevent uh, future murder suicides or violence? Yeah, so we've seen arrests certainly we've seen arrests of incels plotting acts of violence so we know that in the us the fbi and the department of justice they are they're engaged on this and they explicitly refer to 
incel as an ideology that's motivating violence. Um, the, the monitoring aspect is always tricky in the US um, where frequently the, the law enforcement and intelligence agencies, actually they, they can't monitor um, chat rooms um, legally because that everything that occurs on an incel uh, chat room is legally protected First Amendment speech up until the point really where you get like an actionable threat against somebody. Um, so the FBI tends not to, you know, engage and they tend to, uh, you know, sweep up individuals who are further along in their operational planning. So, you know, they've, they've scoped out a target, they have a weapon, they've written something publicly where they say, here, here are my plans. That tends to be where, the, where, where law enforcement can, in the US, where law enforcement can more actively play a role. Typically, when it's just online chatter, um, you know, they can't intervene. And also, that's one of the problems with, uh, you know, fighting incel violence, even in, the, in, even in the public sector, is those chat rooms are frequently so violent. They're very extreme, you know, in their rhetoric, but they are often so violent. They are, everybody's making threats. <laughs> so yeah. it's very, and, and the reality is not everybody's committing violence. So it's another million dollar question is how do you know of all these people who are just, kind of popping off in these chat rooms and running their mouth and saying they're going to do X, Y, and Z. How do you actually know which one of them is being serious? True. And that is like pretty near impossible. And that's kind of one of the major things that's changed. I think social media is it's become so easy for these people to engage in this online community of extremism and, uh, and, and say these things and it's very difficult to know who has the capacity who has the real intent and, and and so therefore how serious the threat is so where are these incel chat rooms are are they on what we call the dark web or are they on facebook some are on the dark web some are on facebook you really get a range um so you you have incels who are very active on on you know the, the kind of social media platforms that everybody's heard of, Twitter, for example, um, YouTube. Then you have some that are incel specific. So they are uh, forum sites that, des that are designed specifically for incels to chat with each other. Then you have um, more fringe um, forums, which are, which don't exist on the dark web, but are more, you know, amenable to extremism, places like Telegram, places like Reddit, places like 8chan and its successor, 8kun. And then you have the dark web stuff. Um, so you really get a range from kind of the very public to the very dark. Um, and this is always, you know, whenever you talk about a movement like the incels who exist primarily online, and you're doing it, you're having that conversation from a counterterrorism point of view, people always want to have the moderation argument. Um, do you actually ask these social media companies to just straight up take down, you know, radical material, take down threats, take down this language? The challenge is sometimes th that activism, that language that's on the more public forums, like let's say Twitter, that actually can be monitored by probably not law enforcement, but by people who are working, you know, private counterterrorism or in the public sector at think tanks for academia, they can monitor that. And they can actually tell, you know, they can actually tip 
law enforcement off to when there's a real actionable threat against somebody or a target. When you moderate, you don't get these people to not be incels. You don't get them to not talk online. You just get them to go to harder places to monitor. So that's the balance that you always try and try and draw. And that's, again, that's really hard um, to, to figure out what the balance is between trying to moderate this language and trying to make sure it's not publicly available to new minds, you know, new recruits, and making sure you can still track it, follow it, see the trends in the movement and, and see whether anything is actually kind of brewing that you need to take more seriously. So when we think about, you know, online communities, that's a global conversation, right? So it's got to, there's no way that it can be identified as just this state or these United States. It's usually, it can be accessed from around the world. So has anything about the incel movement thus far coincided with incidents of international terrorism? Yes. So, um, most attacks up till now have been in North America, the US obviously, but also Canada. Canada's had a very tough time with inside violence. And we've been saying for a while that um, there is nothing inherently North American about this ideology, and we're going to start seeing it elsewhere. Um, Europeans have been active in these forums for a long time. Last summer, there was an incident in a place called Plymouth in England, where I believe five people were killed. Uh, by an individual who had been active on incel forums. And that was, in my estimation, the first successful or carried out act of incel violence outside of North America where you could directly draw the link. Um, but we've seen plots uh, disrupted in, in the UK, in Italy, I think, um, and there's a lot of concern to people have have expressed concern to me about Asia, um, especially some of the countries in Asia which have um, limited, for example, their um, their childbirth mm-hmm. rates. I think China has, and you've ended up with a situation where you have many more men than women, right? And and there's a gap there, and you know something that needs to be watched, I think, at the very least, because obviously, as I said, this, there is nothing inherently North American or Western or white about, um, about incel ideology. It's, uh, it's something that crosses every, uh, you know, demographic and geographic line. And so, um, so it bears watching closely. Are you aware of any treatments um, for mental health uh, for these men who have joined this incel movement and they either want to get out or they're court mandated to get out uh, or even as a preventative for young the younger generation to help them understand that this is really not an option. This is not a healthy lifestyle choice. Yes, there are. So we, we call this in counterterrorism, we call this kind of activity countering violent extremism. And basically, it's it's a range of measures which are designed to tackle ideology, as well as somebody's susceptibility to that ideology. So we see a whole bunch of, uh, you know, chatter around the f- what we can do in the far right, what we can do in the ISIS space. And we're starting to have that conversation with the incel space too. Um, I mentioned earlier that this uh, this movement, or at least the, the term involuntary celibacy, was was first used by a, a young woman in Canada 
to be a um, to be a, a support group for people who are struggling, you know, to find to find love. And the term was kind of hijacked. She has started an NGO where she's trying to rediscover the initial uh, purpose of that group, which would, you know, so so to try to, you know, get, you know, um, men and women to be able to meet together and discuss, you know, what it is that that they're missing, why they're having trouble. And 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 she's wondering whether you can weaponize that again to go back to the incel forums and give some of these people who have. Uh, I don't want to use the word legitimate, but common grievances, you know, like a, a loneliness or a sexual frustration and try to turn that into something a bit more productive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with people who are there with actually their best intentions at heart. So that's the thought, um, you know, people are always discussing things like uh, what we call a former intervention. So can you get people who did make it out for whatever reason, you know, they, they, they found, uh, you know, they found uh, somebody or, or, or whatever, they made it out or they grew up a bit and they made it out of the instant movement. Can you get those kind of voices to go back and talk to some of these young men? So um, kind of like a, a sponsor, um, yeah, like yeah. AA would use. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are the kind of things that people have discussed. Um, the counter argument, I think, to that would be... Um, so, 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 just to give some context, there, in in my view, there are really two categories of, of scholars who are studying this. There's the counterterrorism people, and I come from that school, mm-hmm. and there's the feminist scholarship, which is doing great work on this, and they can look at it from more of a kind of a, a broader angle of the history of misogyny, the history of male supremacist violence, its history of sexual violence, and they have actually pushed back on some of those kind of measures because they, you know, because the argument would be you're rewarding bad behavior or you're um, you know, you are, you're ignoring the fact that these incels, uh, you know, probably had trouble finding romance for a reason based on, you know, their characteristics as people. And and you don't want to ignore that and you don't want to put the blame back on the, on, on women. And that's probably, you know, there's probably truth to that too. So it's difficult and CVE countering violent extremism is always difficult. It's always underfunded. It's very difficult to get funding because it's very difficult to measure. And as I mentioned earlier, I think it'll be even more difficult with incels because when this movement is so online, it's really difficult to track people who have dropped off. So it might be that there's actually 10,000 incels out there right now and a million that are former. We just wouldn't know because there's no actual process like with the neo-Nazi, for example, there's a there's an actual process that people typically go through because they have to disengage from the movement. They have to disengage from their friends in the real world. They might have tattoos, whatever. Um, with incels, when it's so online, it's very difficult to know what that disengagement process looks like. And so it's very difficult to track. It's very difficult to know what works and what doesn't. Um, all of this, I think there's space for more research on. And we, you know, we need to be thinking more seriously about 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 that space because i think it's a really important question you ask because the reality is yes there's misogyny yes there's sexual frustration yes there's horrible horrible language in incel communities but there's also real loneliness there's real suffering there's real mental health issues and if you are allowing this network of vile vicious angry people to reach a 15 year old who's looking for help because he's never had a friend because he's got 
you know, autism spectrum disorder. Mm. We, if we are allowing that kid, this is a unique social media age problem. If we're allowing that kid to be radicalized by that group, rather than turned into something productive and, and, and a productive member of society, then my view is that's a failure of all of us, all of us. That's a failure of, that's an indication of how, an indictment of how far we've fallen as a society, if that's now a problem. So uh, we need to be thinking about this for sure. That's an excellent point. And I also would point out that the hatred that this group targets towards women is not really unique to just the people who subscribe to the incel movement. It is a deeply seated, deeply rooted system of gender-based violence that is nearly as old as time based on a system that believes men are superior, women are inferior, therefore women should do as men desire and men should have control over women. And I can't help but wonder that perhaps we're at a point in our evolution as human beings where we can begin to unlearn that type of ideology, which I think might possibly be a first step toward undoing some of the harm that's been done. And I, I we're just at the beginning, right? But the feminist movement and the women's rights movement are catalysts for unlearning that behavior and changing, you know, making this culture shift. And it's just going to take more time. But it doesn't really mean that we have to have any more women die or any more people die as a result of this form of hatred. There have to be learning opportunities in here, even within our conversation today, to for professionals in law enforcement, um, psychology, and others who are listening to kind of take away opportunities of how to work with individuals who express yeah. the characteristics of an incel. Um, so I hope that we've offered some of that. Are there any last bits of wisdom you can give us uh, that for law enforcement or um, mental health professionals who listen to this episode and just say, hey, I, I think I've identified... Uh, someone who falls into this category, what steps can they take? What resources can they turn to? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's probably not it's probably not good advice on, on, on what resources they can turn to, but I think we need to get better as, as a society of um, destigmatizing mental health issues especially among young men, especially online. And that is not drawing away from the ideology, but some of these individuals who are falling for this, especially at a young age, um, they are people who really suffer. And um, part of trying to create this better world, this more, you know, this more fair and equitable world and, and part of protecting women from this violence unfortunately it's going to need to be making sure that truly bad people out there um, don't have access to truly vulnerable people out there mm -hmm. and trying to break that pathway i think is a really important part of insult 
of, of counter incel violence. So, um, and that's really hard. It's really, it's so hard. So, um, you know, I just, I think we just need to continue to, to be thinking about this, be cognizant of it and, and, and realize that, you know, if, if you're dealing with somebody who you think, um, is flirting with incel ideology and might have, um, and, and might have a, a, an alternative voice in their minds when they're at home, you know, on their own computer. Um, there's probably something else happening. There's probably something else they're struggling with, suffering with, that needs to be addressed. Um, and and we need to we need to try to find a way of of of, of doing that yeah, sensitively, without it being you know, w- without legitimizing the ideology um we need to sever the pipe the pathway between bad people nasty people and vulnerable people yeah i think as uh parents educators and and just actively involved citizens we need to be alert to what's going on with our youngest and our most vulnerable in the community. And to that point, I think, you know, perhaps there is a, a great opportunity with our younger generation, uh, the, the teens and preteens coming even younger than that coming up, coming of age to educate them on healthy relationships and, um, and lots of other things. And the, and to destigmatize, uh, their mental health concerns as well. And I'm curious, as a professor at Georgetown University, what is the response from your students to learning about uh, incels and the counterterrorism? Positive. Um, I have great students. They're very interested in the national security elements of this. Um, And I think they are... um, You know, the interesting thing about them is I, I kind of see when I when I talk to them about this issue specifically, how much things have changed. When I was coming up through college, you know, we incel was not really a, a thing anybody knew or thought about. They all know about it now and they're all very engaged and, and you know, they all, um, you know, understand the process and, um, you know, they, they I, I think you're right, they give. I have a tremendous amount of faith in the young generation to, uh, you know, to participate in efforts to, yeah, to, to try to, to, to finally weed out this horrible mindset from people and to try to make sure that it's not no longer being accessible to, uh, you know, younger people in our society. Um, so you know, I, I will continue at Georgetown to try to have these difficult conversations with my students and hopefully they can have difficult conversations with, you know, the young people in their lives and, and just try to, I always, I always feel that countering violent extremism and counter radicalization. Yes. That's left to professionals. Yes. That's, uh, you know, a law enforcement intelligence issue, but it also exists in the interactions that people have every day with each other. And you know, being good to people and setting a good example for the people who who look up to you, and uh, being you know the change that you want to see in the world and living that. So, if that's something that we can show our students and the, and, the, and our children and the young people in our lives, you know, just be a good example and 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 um, 
you know, show them the world that we want to, we want to live in. That's I, where CVE, that's where counterterrorism really starts. Yeah, I completely uh, agree with that. I'm so on board with it because it is those simple steps. You have an opportunity at, almost at every turn to do the right thing, to use your compassion versus your aggression towards uh, another person. And so I, I'm completely on board with that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Where can people learn more about this topic or your work in this area? Well, me personally, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Jacob underscore A underscore where I, I tweet out everything that I write and I frequently you know, I'm writing about incels. Um, I'd recommend if, if you're interested in this topic from the start, I'd recommend just getting an introduction through the journalism. Most of the, the early work on this was done by journalists and it's excellent and it's a really good way to kind of familiarize yourself. Um, and then for the scholars, the practitioners and those who are you know, extra curious, feel free to reach out to me and I can share my work and, and the work that looks at this issue from a different lens, for example, the feminist work on it, uh, which is also excellent. So um, happy to happy to be, you know, a point of contact for people who are interested, concerned um, about this, and, and hopefully we can just keep the conversation going. I'm sure we will. Jacob Ware, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much. In 2018, Gia Tolentino wrote for The New Yorker an article titled The Rage of the Incels. The following is an excerpt from that article. Incels aren't really looking for sex. They're looking for absolute male supremacy. Sex, defined to them as dominion over female bodies, is just their preferred sort of proof. If what incels wanted was sex, they might, for instance, value sex workers and wish to legalize sex work. But incels, being violent misogynists, often expressed extreme disgust at the idea of whores. Incels tend to direct hatred at things they think they desire. They are obsessed with female beauty but despise makeup as a form of fraud. Incel culture advises men to looks max or status max, to improve their appearance, to make more money. In a way, that presumes that women are not potential partners or worthy objects of possible affection, but inconveniently sentient bodies that must be claimed through cold strategy. They assume that men who treat women more respectfully are white knighting, putting on a mockable facade of chivalry. When these tactics fail, as they are bound to do, the rage intensifies. Incels dream of beheading the sluts who wear short shorts but don't want to be groped by strangers. They draw up elaborate scenarios in which women are auctioned off at age 18 to the highest bidder. They call Elliot Roger their lord and savior and feminist the female KKK. Women are the ultimate cause of our suffering, one poster on incels.me wrote recently. They are the ones who have unjustly made our lives a living hell. We need to focus more on our hatred of women. Hatred is power. This article can be found on thenewyorker.com. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, stay safe. Interested in learning more about the topics you've heard on this podcast? Visit conferencecaw.org. For details about the Conference on Crimes Against Women and other upcoming training opportunities, and follow us on social media at NationalCCAW. You can also register now for the 2022 Conference on Crimes Against Women 
on May 23rd through the 26th in downtown Dallas. We look forward to seeing you there.